Thank you for listening, and we hope this message will strengthen and help you in your walk with God. So I want you to open your Bibles up to a very familiar scripture, John 3.16. I know every one of us in here can probably quote that. And uh, it's one of those that we always look at it for salvation. But we're going to talk about that today. First, I, I guess I should, before I start, those that weren't here, we shared the word. The Lord said for 2022 for this house is it is an intentional year. And it's a doable year. I thought, man, those are great words for this year. So for this house, for Family Worship Center, there are things that are going to be done intentionally. There are things that you are going to do that are intentional. And when you look at some situations and circumstances that the Lord may give you a word and say, I want you to do that, your response this year is going to be, it's doable. Amen? Don't look at it as impossible. Look at it. This is doable. Why? Because we're with God. Amen? God has so many great things for 2022. Yes, there are going to be some negative things happen. There's going to be some things that are going to go on. But for the body of Christ, for the church of the living God, you know, for those that are going after God, pursuing God and pursuing God's destiny, you can just know God's going to do some supernatural things for you. He'll deliver you. He'll set you free. I'm telling you, 2022 for the body of Christ is going to be good. So just get ready for that. The world, there's going to be some things that go on, and you hear the voice of God, and you'll be in the right place at the right time, doing what God wants you to do. So this, for this house, we are pursuing God, and we will discover our destinies. Amen? So... Did y'all find John 3, 16? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And when I, he gave me this scripture early Tuesday morning when, as Pastor said, we've been fasting and praying about this year. And that just jumped out. I thought, I know that scripture. In fact, it was quoted to me, and I thought, yep, that's exactly right. God knows exactly what his word says. And so I thought, what do you want me to get out of that, God? What are you saying about that? And he said, read it again. Look at it again. He said, for God so loved the world, for God so loved people, the heart of God is focused on the harvest. The heart of God is focused on people. God is going after people. We talk about revival and we talk about the move of God and we talk about those things, but what does that involve? It involves people. It involves people coming out of where they are into that place that they realize the love of God, what God has for people. God so loved the world that he held nothing back, that he gave his only begotten son, that he gave his son to save the world, right? 
That's what he did because he so loved the world. And we've got to get a heart that loves the world. We see so much going on in the world that is, is not good. And it doesn't line up with our values. It doesn't line up with the principles of the word of God. In fact, so much that is going on, it's going contrary and opposite the way of the world. But you know, in Jesus' time when he lived, Things were contrary. Things were going opposite. They were not going the way of what God had. But he looked and he said, God, Jesus said, God so loved the world. He was basically saying, God so loves people that he sent me. He sent me. I'm the only begotten son of God. He sent me to save this world. And really, that's where we are. God wants a revival. He wants a move of God, but he wants a harvest to come in. And so it's us getting a focus on harvest, a focus on God's heart, taking on God's heart. That's what we want to do. That's what the gospel of the kingdom is about, is to take on the heart of God. And how do we do that? And pastor said some things this morning, and I thought, there he goes. We're flowing together again. I'm talking about worship this morning. So I want you to turn to Isaiah chapter 6 because this is how we get the heart of God. Anybody want the heart of God? I want the heart of God. I'm tired of my own plans and purposes, my will. I want the heart of God. I want to carry the heart of God to a lost and dying world. I want to take the gospel of Jesus Christ, the truth of the word. That's what's going to change our nation. That's what's going to change our world. That's what's going to change, you know, every situation and circumstance is the love of God supernaturally intervening in people's lives, in their hearts, in their situations. It's only the love of God that's going to change people that are going one way into the place that they go after God. I mean, how did you and I? You know, I know for me, I was going one way, and that was the way of the world. 39 years ago, I was going for the world, and one day God touched my heart, and from that point, I've never been the same. I've been changed in going after God and growing up in the things of God to know God's heart, and he wants us to know his heart. And you get that in the presence of God. So in Isaiah, y'all turn to Isaiah, chapter 6, verse 1. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw also the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple. Whoa, what an awesome thing. He was doing what? He was pursuing God. He was in worship. He was taking the time to worship God, to go after God, to get the heart of God. And when he was going after God, God opened up. Now, this is an unsaved person. I want you to understand. He has not been born of the Spirit of God yet, and yet God ushered him into the throne of God because his heart was going after God. He wanted to meet with God. He wanted to meet with God face to face. That's what we come on Sunday mornings to do, is to come into that place to pursue God, go after God, get into that place that all we want is the presence of God. All we want is what God has to say 
say in this hour. We want God to speak to our hearts. We want our hearts to be opened up to know the plans of God that he can transform us. He can change us into that place that we are willing to go. When he says to go, we're willing to go. When he says to do, we're willing to do. Instead of fighting back and arguing with him, that we become intentional about this year, that we come intentional about the things of God and begin to agree with God when he gives us an assignment, we can say that is doable. I can do that. I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. I have heard from heaven. Therefore, if heaven says that we can do this, then we can do this. It becomes doable in our eyes. This is where Isaiah is. He's in the very throne of God. Let's look at it again. He said, I saw also the Lord sitting upon a throne. He saw the throne room of God. Do you know we have access to the throne room of God? We can go right on into the throne room, the very throne room where the glory and the presence of God is opened up to you and I that we can go in there, we can walk in there, and we can worship God, and we can touch heaven, and heaven can touch us. I'm telling you, one of the words for worship means to kiss, and it means heaven and earth kiss, or you and I kiss God, and God kisses up, and we meet with God. The Almighty God, the creator of heaven and earth, wants a visitation from us. Think about that. And this is where Isaiah is. He's in that place. And it, it, he begins to describe the serpents and the six-winged creatures. And it goes down to verse 3 and said, One cried unto another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. This is their response when what Isaiah is hearing when he goes into the throne room of God. He is hearing what is going on in the throne room. That's what God wants us to do. He wants us to know what's going on in the throne room of heaven. If we know what's going on in the throne room of heaven, then we can relate it. We can bring that, that very glory, that very presence of God into the earth, and we can go in and reach a lost and dying world. Wow. Sometimes we sell ourselves short and we stay in the courts. We need to get out of the courts. And into the throne of God. Verse 4 says, And the post of the door moved at the voice of him. I'm telling you, some things were going on. Of him that cried, and the house was filled with smoke. Oh, I want that right here. And not those smoke machines that come up. I want the glory. I want the presence of God. I want people that are so hungry for God that when they come into the house of God, they are with the heart of pursuing God, going after God and saying, God, I want to meet with you today. I want to know what's on your heart. I want to know what I am here to give you glory and honor. I am here for you, God, because it's about you. I'm not focused on my needs. I'm not focused on what I want. I am focused on the king. I'm focused on what he wants and going into that place in him, that place of worship that we become like him. That's why we worship, is to become like him, to be transformed and to be changed into that very place where we look like Jesus. Woo, hallelujah. The presence of God begins to reveal the heart of God. You know, we have 
church bulletins across our nation, and it says worship service. But most of the time, and I'm not putting any church down, but most of the time you get your hymnals out and you sing a couple of songs and call that worship. You haven't met with God. You haven't even gone through the gates of praise. You haven't entered into the courts with thanksgiving. You haven't got into that place. You're still, most people are still way on the outside, not even thinking that they can meet with God, not even thinking that God would welcome them into the throne room of God. And here Isaiah is, a man just like you and I, Except you and I are born of the Spirit of God, going after God, intentional. He was intentional getting in that place to pursue God. And then Isaiah, verse 5, said, Woe is me, for I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. Man, can we say that today? We dwell in a people of unclean lips, a nation, a world that, you know, that is lost and needs salvation. He said, for my eyes have seen the King, the glory of the Lord. So in the presence of God, transformation begins to take place. Your heart is revealed. Isaiah's heart was revealed. And he recognized, I am a man of unclean lips. I'm a man that's in a nation that is not loving and serving God. He begins to see the heart of God. He begins to reveal, God begins to reveal Isaiah where he is. But he doesn't, he doesn't just say you, God didn't say, listen to me, God didn't say he was a man of unclean lips, but his heart knew. His heart knew. And here's, this is what God does. Verse 6. Then flew one of the seraphims unto me, having a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with the thongs from off the altar. And he laid it upon my mouth and said, Lo, this has touched thy lips, and thy iniquity is taken away, and the sin purged. Glory to God. So, you know, that's a revealer of the heart, working on the heart, not in condemnation, not in guilt. But when you get in the throne room of God, he can tell you, those things that you need to know. He can open up your heart of those things that you need to know. So when we come into this house, intentionally this year, we are going after God. We are pursuing God. We're, you know, we're, we may stay in worship longer. I believe that we will. You know, we're, we're going after God. I want heaven to come down. We, we have had glimpses of heaven. We have to have times when the presence of God is so strong. People have been healed. People have been delivered. They've been set free. But, hey, it's a new year, and it's a new time. And God's calling us into a greater place of worship, into a greater place of going after him and hearing what heaven has to say. Let heaven move your heart. And then verse 8 says, now listen to this. Also, I heard the voice of the Lord saying, what did he hear? He heard the voice of the Lord. Where was he? In the throne room. Sometimes you want to hear the voice of God, go to the throne room. Get into that place of worship. Open up your heart to go in. 
And he said, I heard the voice of the Lord saying. So there's a conversation that is going on in the throne room. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Ghost are having a conversation. And Isaiah is listening to the conversation. Now, wouldn't that be cool? You get in the throne room of God and you hear the conversation of heaven. That's what God wants. He wants you to hear what heaven is saying. He wants your ears. He wants your heart to respond. And he said, whom shall I send and whom will go for us? And there's Isaiah. And he said, send me. I'll go. What was happening to Isaiah? He was getting, he was discovering his destiny. He was getting an assignment from God. He was pursuing God and he was getting his destiny. God was opening up his heart and he's hearing the heart of God. And his response to the heart of God is, don't send me. I'll just back out and pretend like I wasn't here and I didn't hear anything. No, Isaiah stood in that place and said, I've got it, God. Send me. I want to go. I know that this generation is a generation of unclean lips. I know this generation is not hungry for God. And I know that this generation is going going another way. But send me, Lord. Send me, Lord. I'm taking upon your heart, God. I want your heart cry. I want to hear what you have to say. I want to go, God, wherever you want me to go. I'm volunteering to go. Why? He was getting transformed in the presence of God to be able to carry out the plans and purposes of God. That's what it takes. That's why we're so fidgety sometimes and we hesitate. It's because we haven't been in the throne of God. We haven't been in that place to hear the heart of God and what God is saying for this hour. And we've we've drawn back and afraid to go in, afraid to worship God, to freely let go and worship God and get our heart in that place that God wants us to be. I'm telling you, I'm hungry for God. And I don't want to live in the outer courts. And that may be where we start, but we are going in to the presence of God. I want to see change. You know, you go into the presence of God, it's going to change the atmosphere. And it's going to change the atmosphere over you. It's going to change the atmosphere over this city. You know, in 2010, I gave this church a word. And, he, and, he, and the Lord said, there's a sound that's coming. There's a sound from heaven that's coming. And I want, I want that sound. Because he said that sound will go out. That means when we're in worship, we're worshiping God, then that is changing the atmosphere and shifting and moving things around. Look at a scripture real quick. In Isaiah 62, this is a little off, but we'll we'll just go. Verse 10, go through, go through the gates, the gates of praise, prepare you the way of the people, cast up, cast up the highway. Gather out the stones, lift up a standard for the people. So Isaiah is saying here 
Go through. Come on, get through the great gates of praise. Come on, the gates of praise are going to open. What do gates do? They open up. And you go through those gates, you're opening up something, right? And so he says, you know, go through. Go through the gates. Open up. And then he says, open up a highway. What is a highway? A highway, when you come off of... Um, or go on to 70 from 63 and you go down, what are you doing? You're going right through to get onto a highway, a highway for the people, the highway of God for people to come to God, for people, our worship and our giving glory and us pursuing God and getting into the throne room of God opens up the atmosphere, clears away, clears, it says, the debris and the rocks and the stones, gets those things out out of the way that it allows the Holy Spirit to go in there and touch people's hearts, move their hearts towards God. Why? Because there is an avenue, an atmosphere that is full of worshipers that have gone before, you know, people, unsaved people, some saved people because they need to be free, but it opens up. And we look at worship and we think, well, why should I enter in? Because we love God, and we want to meet with God. You know, and all of us worship different. All of us are different. You know, I like to move. I love, that's just, you can tell when I preach. That's how I am. I'm a mover. I like to move. I like to lift my hands. I like to, you know, I don't know what all I do, but I like it. I'm just free. I'm not going to, I'm not trying to impress anybody. I'm not trying to figure out what everybody else is doing because everybody worships different, but I'm free. And what God did for me is set me free. And you know, if I could, if I could dance for the devil in the world, I can certainly dance for the Lord. I can certainly lift my hands up and not care what anybody else does. I am free to go into the throne room of God. And I love the throne room of God. And I spend a lot of time there. Because it's a good place. And so Isaiah, he was going after the presence of God. He was going into that place that he didn't care anymore. He didn't care about the people, I mean, he did care, but he loved the people. But he didn't care if they were stiff-necked people. He didn't care if they would hear him or not. He was going. And you know what? Most of them didn't hear him. But it didn't stop Isaiah from saying and doing. See, so many times we're so concerned about what people will say or do. Isaiah got into the throne room of God, got the heart of God, and said, I'll go. I'll deliver that message. And God even said, there are stiff-necked people. They're going to be hard-hearted. And Isaiah said, I'm going. I'm going. I'm going to make a difference. I'm going to make a difference. I'm going to be able, when I go to heaven, I'm going to be able to say, you know, Lord, I believe I did your will. But there will be a record there. And that record will, will say, where God will say to you, well done, good and faithful servant. So do you want God, you stand before him to say, well done, good and faithful servant? Or do you want him to say, well, which one? You make a difference here. 
This is where, you know, in worship, we will always worship God. We're going to worship God here, but in heaven, we'll always be worshipers. As far as the body of Christ is concerned, we're to love one another. But, you know, in heaven, we're going to love one another, right? So we worship here and we worship in heaven. We love people here and we love people in heaven. But, you know, there's a third ingredient, and it's the harvest. And this is the only chance we have. And when we get to heaven and the doors are closed and there's people left, we can't save them then. We can't bring the good news then. So this is our time. And we have to make, I forget that old saying, so I better not say it. Might come out wrong. <laughs> but we need to do what we can do now. We need to get the heart of God right now and go after the harvest. We are intentionally going to go after the harvest. We are intentionally going to get in that place to pursue God, discover destiny, and see that the harvest is doable. So let's turn to Matthew 11. I am excited about this year. I said 11, but I want 9. Hallelujah. I'm, I'm believing God to stir you up this morning. I'm believing God that, you know, you're going to leave this place different, that you're going to leave this place so hungry for the things of God, so in that place that you're ready to go, when we come to church, you're ready to pursue God. You're ready to go after him, and you're ready to go into the throne room, and you're ready to get your assignment, and you're ready to hear what heaven has to say, that you're not in that place that I hope this gets over with, in that place that, well, maybe I'll come to church at 1030, uh, well, maybe I'll, I'll just wait in the foyer while worship goes on because, you know, it's just not important. But I want our hearts, this is our prayer, that our hearts are so stirred that when we come into that place, we are ready to meet with God. We are ready to pursue God. We're ready to forget our own problems, our own situations. You know, if you get in that place and you're pursuing God and you're going after God, your problems become this big. And then they become doable. Then they come in that place like, he's got this. I don't have to be concerned about this. He's already healed me. He's delivered me. He's blessed me. He's taken care of me. When you're in the throne room, you see the way God sees. You look at what the throne room says about things. Amen? So, verse, Matthew 9, verse 35. And Jesus went about all the cities and villages teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom, healing every sickness, every disease among the people. You know, Jesus still wants to do that today. And we have to have confidence that he wants to do that through us. We have to, and that comes by getting into the throne room. Amen? I want to say one more thing. Uh, hold your place there and just go back a couple of chapters to John Oh, that's Matthew. Never mind, you have to go to John. <laughs> I want to say one more thing about worship. 
John 4, where did I go in John 4? 23. Jesus said, but the hour cometh and now is when the true worshipers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for the Father seeketh such to worship him. God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. So Jesus said the day was coming, the hour was coming, that true worshipers, people that were going after God, were going to worship him in spirit and in truth. You know, sometimes, and I'm not, I'm a word person, but sometimes we put more emphasis on the word than we do on worship. The word we need the word. There, I'm not talking against the word, but I'm just saying, Jesus said, I'm looking for worshipers. If you are worshipers, you're going to love my word. If you are worshipers, because he said, worship in spirit and in truth, you're going to know the truth. And what does the truth do? It sets you free. And so if we are true worshipers and going, we're going to worship him in the spirit, which means we're going to get out of our heads Come on, somebody. We worship too many times in our heads. We get our, you know, we've got words up there, and so we follow the words on the screen. But he's looking for those worshipers that get beyond that, where we spend time going after God. So I'm telling you, so many services are just, let's get worship over with. Let's get 15 minutes of worship, and therefore we have done worship for the week. I'll take a smile offering about this time. Hallelujah. You know, we've got to be those that hunger for God. Jesus said, I'm looking for worshipers. He said, I'll make disciples, but I'm looking for worshipers. That's what he said. He said, I'll make disciples. But I really believe what he's saying is, you come, you come into that place of worship, you come into that place of going after God, forgetting about yourself, forget about what's going on. You come worshiping and watch me change you. Watch me touch you. Watch the word come alive to you. Watch those scriptures that you've been struggling with, trying to understand. Watch what God does in those times of worship. When you've sought him and, and you've not understood why your body wasn't getting healed, get into that place of worship. Let the word of God come alive on the inside of you. Let it start working because when you're in the presence of God, things change on the inside. Something begins to transform and healing takes place. Deliverance takes place. The glory of God invades you. The glory of God touches your life. Transformation. Amen? So, again, I don't want anybody to take it wrong. I'm not against the Word of God. I preach it. I teach it. I believe the Word is very important in our lives. But Jesus said, I'm looking for worshipers. I'm looking for people that are pursuing God. So, here he is out, verse 35. He's out teaching and preaching, and signs and wonders and miracles are taking place. And then verse 36, and says, But when he saw, now look, 
He's been in the synagogues. He's been out. He's had some crusades. And all of a sudden, it says, but when he saw, he saw the multitudes. He was moved with compassion on them because they fainted and were scattered abroad so as sheep having no shepherd. So here is heart. You know, all of a sudden, something begins to transform in his life. And he begins to look out at the people. And he's looking at them. They're exhausted. They're tired. They're weary. They're tired of the same old way. They're tired of the lifestyle. They're tired of all the lies that that, uh, the Roman government has tried to put on them. You know, these people are people just like they are today that are dealing with stuff, dealing with life, dealing with situations in their life. And Jesus is looking across the multitudes. He's looking at them through, and then compassion rises up on the inside of him. That's what we need, compassion to rise up on the inside of us, that we see the world the way the Father sees the world. Because he said from the very beginning in that scripture in John 3, 16, God so loved the world. That means he loved the sinners. He loved them. He does not want them to stay in that condition. And that's how he's looking at this multitude, a multitude of people in every circumstance of life, every situation that have grown tired and grown weary. And he's looking at them and compassion moves him. And he said, they look like they've been scattered abroad, like a sheep without a shepherd. They didn't have a shepherd. How many people are out in the world today? How many Christians are in the world today that don't have a shepherd. We don't need a shepherd anymore, people say. But Jesus says these people that are out there need a shepherd. Feigning. They have no compassion. I mean, they're, they're lost. And the heart of a shepherd came on him for the people. Then said, verse 37, then saith he unto his disciples, the harvest truly is plenteous, but the labors are few. The harvest, you know, we've been talking about the harvest, about the move of God to harvest. There is plenty of harvest. I heard a man of God say that the Lord spoke that in this next move of God, in this move of God that really has already started, one billion souls. That's a lot of souls. One billion. I think there's between seven and eight billion people on the planet. Christians, you know, have a small segment of that. But he's looking at souls. He's looking at the harvest. There is plenty of harvest. We we don't have a shortage of harvest in Boone County. We don't have a shortage in this region. We don't have a shortage of harvest in this nation. We must have the harvesters. That's his next thing that he says. He says, pray. He's looking at his disciples, and he said, I'm looking at you. <laughs> and I'm saying, pray ye therefore the Lord of harvest, that he will send forth laborers into the harvest. So Jesus is saying, there's a... Sh- 
their sheep without a shepherd. And we need people to go in there. We need people with the compassion and the mercy of God that knows how to touch heaven, that knows how to uh, step out in the things of God, that has the heart of the Father. We need those people. We need you to pray for the laborers to go into that labor field, to send them out. And that word, send, is the same word when you talk about casting out a devil. And he's saying, thrust them out there. Pray that the, the Lord of the harvest, pray that, that the Father will thrust out people, that they will be moved with that compassion, that they will have spent time in the throne room of God, got the heart of God, got the compassion of God, that that moves them to do something. That moves them out of the mundane. It moves them out of that place that no longer can they not say anything. No longer can they not go up and see if somebody needs to be saved. No longer can they sit back and allow people to go to hell any longer. We're talking destinies here. I mean, we are at the brink of heaven and hell. So, uh, my daughter-in-law, when we were in Texas... She said, a, a friend that we watched grow up in church, a young man that was on fire for God that he posted the other day, he put a post out there, I have come to the belief that there isn't a hell. I'm thinking, are you kidding me? Jesus made it very clear. He said, you better know the God, the one that can send you to hell. Now, we send ourselves if we don't accept Jesus but there's a real hell. And we don't always like to talk about it, but there is a real hell. And people think, you know, they're going to party and they're going to go there. No, it's dark. It's sick with gross darkness. And you cannot see another person there, nor touch another person. It's a, it's a living place of death. And there are people in this community are headed there. And we got the answer. Jesus is saying in all of this, he was moved with compassion. And I believe part of what he's saying, I want you to be moved with compassion. I want you to move out of yourself. I, wanna, I want you to move out of where you've been. How about this? I want you to move out of just watching me. You've been sitting under this ministry, disciples. That's what he's saying. Now look at the next verse. As then he says, pray that he thrust them out. What does Jesus do? And when he called unto him the 12 disciples, he gave them power, authority, against unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal all manner of sickness and all manner of disease. What is he doing? He is thrusting them out. And verse 7, and it says, And as you go, preach, saying, The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out devils. Freely you have received, freely give. What was he doing? He's saying to the 12 at this time, later he'll send the 70. What is he doing? He's thrusting out the laborers. He's saying, I've given you the authority. I've given you the power. You know, I believe everyone in this room is going to agree that he's given us the authority and he's given us the power. 
if you've been in this church, you know you have the authority and the power. But we are caught up in us and not moved with the compassion of the Lord to see what's out there, to see what's going on. And we get caught up. What are they going to say? What are they going to do? It's not our job. It's our job to go. Let's look at Mark 16, another familiar passage, verse 15. These are the words of Jesus before he goes to heaven. And he said unto them, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. You know what? He hadn't changed his assignment from what he told them in Matthew 9, what he told the 70. He has not changed his assignment. He said, Go you into all the world, preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned. I looked at that, and this is what it says. He says there's going to be two things that happen when you go out. They're either going to be saved or they're going to be damned, one or the other. But he didn't say you just go to the ones that will be saved, did he? He said, you go to both of them. See, sometimes we think, well, what if they don't accept? That's not your responsibility. Our responsibility is to go. Our responsibility is to follow the leading of the Spirit of God. Our responsibility is to open our mouths. That's what we have to do. We have to respond when God tells us what to do, right? You know, there's a response. Some things... God's just going to do because he's God. And there are things that are written like the book of Revelation. It's going to take place. And there's nothing anybody can do about it because it's written. God's already declared it. He's already told us what's going to happen. We may not know what it looks like or what it understands. But God, there's certain things God does that he, because he's God. And then there's assignments that he gives. And sometimes assignments go unfulfilled because we don't go, because we don't obey. That's not always the fun part of it. But, you know, he is expecting the children of Israel. When God told the children of Israel, that first group, when he told them, he said, I'm sending you into the promised land, and I've already given it to you. Now I want you to go in. Correct? That's what he said. He said, I'm giving it to you. It's your land. It's your land. You go in. So their response should have been, I'm going in. That should have been their response. So that promise was not fulfilled, was it? Not with that group of people it wasn't because their response was, we ain't going. That was their response, and so there was nothing God could do about it. God just waited for 40 years. Till there was somebody that would respond. Somebody that would say, yes, we're going in. Giants or no giants, we're going in. This is my response. And so many times we say, well, if God doesn't do it, it won't get done. No, God's saying, come on, you've got to partner with me. You've got to join with me. I'm expecting you to join my team. God's not coming to join your team. We ought to join his team and go where he says to go. Amen? 
So it says in verse 17, and these signs shall follow them that believe. These are the signs that follow believers, those that respond to God and those that go. He said, in my name shall they cast out devils. They shall speak with new tongues. They shall take up serpents, and if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. I believe most everybody in here agree with that. That's the words of Jesus. But where we don't agree is when Jesus says, now you're the one. Come on. So then, after the Lord had spoken unto them, he was received into heaven and sat on the right hand of God. And they went forth and preached everywhere, the Lord working with and confirming, what? The word with signs following. So here it is. He's saying, this is your response. I want you to go. This is your job. And he said, you go. I'm partnering with you. God says, I'm going to partner with you. When you go, I go. When you respond to what I say, then God is with you. And signs will follow. Isn't that what the word says? That what we do is we draw back because we're fearful that it isn't going to work. We're fearful of the response of people. We're fearful, and so we hold back, and we don't respond to the Father. And yet people are dying and going to hell because we won't go. We won't step into that place. We won't move and believe what the Word says. Sometimes we're just like the ten spies. I don't believe you'll do it, God. You know, I remember years ago when Pastor and I uh, just started the church and we went to uh, MU to, a, to the Aquatic Center where Billy Bush was. And uh, we went up there, and so we were waiting on uh, Pastor had, been, had taken scuba diving when he was at MU. And so he wanted to go see Billy Bush. And so we went up there, and so Billy was finishing a scuba lesson. And so we're waiting in the office, and a young man comes in and, you know, Pastor and I are sitting there, so here's a young man. We're going to take advantage of it. And so both of us just started ministering, telling him the love of God and uh, what Jesus was all about and just, you know, so excited about Jesus and what he'd done. And so at the end of us, end of the conversation, one of us said, would you like to receive Jesus? thought, man, we laid it out. It was a beautiful job. The anointing was there. You knew the presence of God was there. And the young man said, no. I was like, are you kidding me? This this was a great presentation. (laughs) How could you say no? But, you know, we just did. He said, some aren't going to accept. Some aren't going to receive. And we go away and we think we failed. We didn't fail. We did what he told us to do, and he let us know not everybody's going to receive. That's not our responsibility. Our responsibility is to respond to him, respond 
with compassion on what he has so we can take Jesus. If we want to see this nation change, if we want to see the fire and the power of God, if we want to see righteousness in our nation once again, we are going to have to be doers of the word. We're going to have to begin to respond to the Holy Ghost. We're going to have to begin to respond and be bold. He said he would partner with us. It's what he said. He's saying, stand up, pastor, please. He's saying, if I'm standing here and I say, I will go, I'm going to go. Well, then he's going to come alongside me and he's going to walk with me because I'm following him and I'm walking with him. And so when I reach over here, <laughs> I'm leading now. I'm not supposed to be leading. <laughs> Let's get Joan. <laughs> So when I reach out with the word of God, you know, to pray, for jo- to pray for Joan, I lay my hands on. Guess whose hands on there with me? So it's not me doing the work. It said he's working with us. That means I have to work with him, then he'll work with me. I have to respond. It's him doing the work. I'm just the vessel. Amen. I'm just the vessel. That's what, we, that's what we have to see. We are just the vessels. He's doing the work. He made it clear. He said, I'm going, but you're going to do the work. No, you're going to go, and I'm going to do the work. I'm going to join with you. So if we can change our thinking, change it to see he's with us. He's not sending us alone. He's sending us. He's going with us because we're partnering with him. What happened, I'm going to close with this. What happened at the Gate Beautiful when James and John were going into church? We all know this story. They were obeying what Jesus had told them to do, right? Jesus told them more than once. But right before he left, we just read it in Mark 16, He said, you lay hands on the sick and they'll recover. So here's Peter. Was it Peter and John? Peter and John. They are walking by the gate beautiful and a man cries out. And Peter says, oh, look at me. Silver and gold have I not. But what I have, what I have, what does he have? Spirit of God. I got a partner with me and it's not John. It's God himself. It's Jesus. I've partnered with Jesus. So he's just looking at him. He said, what I have, I give it freely. Jesus said, freely you give, freely you receive. I give it to you in the name of Jesus. Rise up and walk. What happened? He rose up and walked. Why? Because he partnered, he responded to the word of God, he responded to the command of Jesus, he obeyed what Jesus said to do, and he stepped out. And listen, he is a man. Don't categorize the apostles as some tremendous men that were so supernatural that you are way down here and they're way up here. We got to shift that and bring it into line. We're all 
the body. We're all people. It's how we respond. It's how we allow the Holy Spirit, how we trust the Holy Spirit, how we trust the command of what he says, how we individually trust what he's saying to us, how we respond. Are you the 10 spies that didn't go in? Are you of the Joshua and Caleb that said, bless the Lord, we're going in. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, hey, we're going in the fire. If we burn, we burn. But bless the Lord, we're going in. And we're going in in faith. And we're believing God. That God wants to use me. God wants to use everybody. He said, pray the Lord of the harvest will thrust out laborers. Well, we can't be thrust out if we're fighting it. We can't be thrust out if we don't think we're good enough. We can't be thrust out if we're looking at ourselves instead of going to the throne room and saying, what are you saying? And the importance of worship is to hear from heaven. Yes, the word speaks to us. But then there's times in worship that we forget about ourselves. Get the distractions out. And we worship him to hear from him. So that our ears are tuned to him. Our eyes are fixed on his face. Oh, we're looking and we're seeing the face of our Savior. We're looking into his heart. Sometimes I say, Lord, I just want to be like John. And I'm going to lay my head upon your breast. And I'm going to hear your heartbeat. I do that. I want to hear your heart. I want to know what you're thinking. I want to know what touches you today. I want to know what moves you. And I'll respond to you. There's a holiness that he wants us to enter into. There's a holiness that he wants us to go so that we can open up the highway to this community. So we can open it up so salvation can come. Thank you for listening today. We believe God's word is what will sustain us in any situation in our lives. For more information, please visit us at familywc.org or you can download the app. 
Look for us as FWC Como. Until the next time, remember, you are God's best.